following program is being shortwaved overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. C-O-L-G-A-T-E, Colgate presents Bill Stern. With a Colgate Shave Cream Sports Newsreel. Bill Stern, the Colgate Shave Cream Man, is on the air. Bill Stern, the Colgate Shave Cream Man, with stories rare. Take his advice and you'll look in. You'll get a shave that's smooth and clean. You'll be a Colgate brushless fan. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Bill Stern bringing you the 286th edition of the Colgate Shave Cream Sports Newsreel. Our guest tonight is the president of the New York Yankees, Mr. Larry McPhail. But first... Real one. Colgate Brushless is called the Shave Cream of Champions, the reason being that so many sports stars use this great shave cream. But tonight we have a letter from a man who isn't a sports champion. But here's what puts him in the championship class, for he writes, Dear Mr. Stern, I'm only one of the millions of common everyday shavers. After hearing your program many times, I decided to try a jar of your brushless shave cream with the full intention of getting double my money back. But to my complete amazement, I had a wonderfully comfortable shave my face not one bit sore. Shaving had been such a torture to me for many years, but I don't dread it anymore thanks to your advice to use Colgate Brushless Shave Cream. Yours for better shaving, signed W.A. Simpson. Man, I'm not going to add one word to Mr. Simpson's boast for Colgate Brushless, except to say that Colgate Brushless Shave Cream rinses off your face and your razor in a flash. Try Colgate Brushless Shave Cream. If you're not completely satisfied that it lets your razor shave you close and clean without snagging or pulling, and just send the top of the carton to me, Bill Stern, care of Colgate, Jersey City, Zone 2, New Jersey, and I'll see that you get double your money back. Get the jumbo jar, the nine-ounce economy size of Colgate Brushless Shave Cream tonight. Real two. Portrait of a soldier's souvenir. Twenty-seven years ago, when the First World War was ending and Germany was beaten, the most hated man in the world was the German Kaiser. He was just as hated as Hitler is in this war. And yet in the last war, when Germany was beaten, the Kaiser fled from Germany and took refuge in neutral Holland. The Allies knew where he was, but they made no move to get him. And that's the way things stood. Until one night, shortly after the war was over, eight American soldiers were seated around a table in a French restaurant when they decided to do something about it. If the Allies wouldn't go after the Kaiser, well, they would. Sure, sure, he was in a neutral country, but so what? Hadn't he started this war? All right. These eight American soldiers would do what the Allied armies had failed to do. These eight American soldiers would go get the Kaiser. The more the eight Americans talked about it, the more determined they became. Until finally one of them, a boy named Larry McPhail, stood up and someone shouted, Sit down, McPhail! But Larry McPhail stood his ground. We've been doing a lot of talking, he said. But if you're going to kidnap the Kaiser, let's get started. And so it was that eight Americans and two automobiles set out to kidnap the Kaiser. They headed for the Dutch border. And in the eerie light of the early morning, they crossed that border into Holland. But cars roared through sleepy towns, stopping only for gas or food. Three hours later, they were only 100 miles from the little village of Amaranagan, where the Kaiser was living. And two hours later, they were there. Cautiously, they stopped their cars, got out, and cut all the phone wires leading to the castle. They approached the front gate, where a German sentry stopped them. But they talked their way past him. And finally, finally, unbelievably, they were actually at the front door of the Kaiser's castle. It was Larry McPhail who knocked on that door. The door swung open, and the eight American soldiers stepped inside. The Kaiser was in the next room. He agreed to come in and meet the Americans when suddenly the Germans discovered that all the phone wires had been cut. Immediately, the eight Americans knew that their plans had gone wrong and that they'd better get out of there and get out fast. And they did get out getting out empty-handed. Empty-handed 
No, not quite. For on the way out, Larry McPhail grabbed an ashtray off the Kaiser's smoking table. It bore the Kaiser's imperial crest, and it was the only souvenir those eight American soldiers had to show for the time when they'd almost kidnapped the Kaiser. When Larry McPhail came back to the United States, he brought the Kaiser's ashtray back with him. And then a strange series of visitors began to arrive at his office. They were all Germans, and they all told him the same thing. He'd taken the Kaiser's lucky ashtray. The Kaiser was superstitious, and he regarded that particular ashtray as his good luck charm. He wanted his lucky ashtray back. It wasn't that the ashtray had any real value. It was just that the Kaiser regarded it as his good luck charm. And the Kaiser became so insistent in 1941 that he'd get it back that he sent a special German emissary all the way over to America to get that ashtray back. And this German emissary told Larry McPhail... Mr. McPhail, I represent His Imperial Highness, the German Kaiser. I am prepared to pay any reasonable amount for his ashtray, which you have. You see, he regards it as more than an ashtray, as a sort of good luck piece. (laughs) I see you have it on your desk. That was as far as the German got. Larry McPhail lost his temper... He told the German that the Kaiser's good luck ashtray would never go back to the Kaiser. And with that, Larry McPhail picked up that ashtray and smashed it. Maybe the Kaiser was right. For when that ashtray was smashed, his good luck ran out. The Kaiser died on June the 4th, 1941. Call it a coincidence, if you will. But the Kaiser died a sudden death on the very day his good luck ashtray was smashed by Larry McPhail. And now, speaking from Washington, D.C., is Larry McPhail in person, the man who once tried to kidnap the Kaiser, the man who today is the president of the mighty New York Yankees, Larry McPhail. Good evening, Bill. There is one thing you forgot about that ashtray. What's that, Larry? Well, when I got the Kaiser's ashtray, I had to get it so quickly. I didn't have time to remove the lighted cigars that were in it. I just shoved the whole thing in my pocket... And those lighted cigars ruined a perfectly good trench coat. (laughs) Well, Larry, let's forget about the ashtray and stick to sports. I suppose you know that you and your associates certainly surprised the sporting world this winter by buying the New York Yankees. Yes, and just about a year ago on this program, I heard you reveal that we were going to do it. Now, who tipped you off? (laughs) A little birdie. But tell me, now that you do own the Yankees, how are they going to do this year? Well, Bill, if Joe McCarthy can keep the players we now have, We'll be in for the pennant race for sure. Good. Now, Larry, what's the most unusual experience you've ever had in baseball? Something that happened back in my playing days at Beloit College in Wisconsin. We were playing Sacred Heart College. And as I came to bat in the ninth inning, their catcher, Bill Killifer, squirted a mouthful of tobacco juice in my eye. (laughs) And I let the third strike go by. So what'd you do to him? Well, his aim was pretty good, so... Uh, 32 years later, I gave him a coaching job with the Brooklyn Dodgers. <laughs> Larry, you served in this war, too, this time as an assistant to the Undersecretary of War. What's the real government attitude on baseball? The government wants sports to continue, providing it does not hurt the war effort. But I can't mention the government without saying that one of the greatest baseball fans I ever knew was President Roosevelt. He loved the game, and we in the game... Loved him. You're so right. Thanks so much. Good luck and good night, Larry McPhail. Good night, Bill. Larry McPhail has just been speaking from our nation's capital in Washington, D.C. Now let's continue with the program from our studios here in New York City. Reel 3. Profile 
of 1912. This is the story of an American youngster who made quite a name for himself back in 1912. For back in 1912, this youngster was the best pistol shot in the United States, and because he was the best pistol shot in the United States, he was selected to represent America in the Olympics that were held that year in Stockholm. And in Stockholm, this American youngster was put up against the finest pistol shots from all over the world. But the American boy came through with flying colors. Until on the final day of those 1912 Olympics, only this American lad and a German marksman were left. One of these two would win the Olympic pistol shooting championship. Each of these two took careful aim as they began their final round. And the American lad shot ten straight bullseyes, a perfect score. But when the judges came to count that score, they claimed they could only find nine bullseyes. And the German judges therefore awarded the championship to the German marksman. In vain, the American lad argued. But the judges insisted that the German lad had won. The American knew that the German judges were cheating in favor of one of their own countrymen. But there was nothing that the American lad could do about it. That all took place back in 1912, 33 long years ago, when an American lad came back to this country hating the Germans because they cheated him out of an Olympic medal. But today, today that American is getting revenge, for he's with the American armies that are invading Germany. And two weeks ago, as these American armies drove deeper into Germany, they captured a German salt mine. And deep down in that salt mine, the Germans had hidden hundreds of millions of pounds of gold, most of the gold in Germany. And included in this fabulous fortune of gold were all the gold medals given out by the German government. And among those gold medals, which the American army recovered two weeks ago was that very medal that an American had rightfully won 33 years before in the Olympics, but which the Germans had cheated him out of. That's why last week in Germany, on the American battlefront, a strange ceremony took place when General Eisenhower called some American soldiers together and said, Gentlemen, I have in my hand a gold medal which was awarded by the German government many years ago to the champion marksman in the 1912 Olympics. Only at that time, the German government awarded it to the wrong man. They gave it to a German and cheated an American out of it. I now have the pleasure of correcting their mistake and awarding it to that American who rightfully won it 33 years ago. Here you are, sir, and my heartiest congratulations. And so it was. After 33 long years, a medal finally reached its rightful owner. But even stranger than that is the inscription on the back of this medal, which reads, This medal to the best marksman in the 1912 Olympics is presented by the German government in the hope that the winner's ability will serve as an example to the German army. Ironical, isn't it? That the German government should hope that the winner's ability would serve as an example to the German army, because that's exactly what the winner's ability has done. His ability has been an example to the German army. For that American, who was the real winner 33 years ago, is today America's most colorful soldier, General George S. Patton. Portrait of a 33-year-old sporting medal that General Patton's army has just recovered for General Patton. Real Four, Charles F. McCarthy. Are you a lather shaver? You are. Well, you're in mighty fine company because quite a few great sport champs prefer to shave with lather, and they find that Colgate Rapid Shave Cream is the answer to a lather shaver's prayer. In the words of Craig Wood, champion golfer, Colgate lather has got that certain something that makes soft fuzz out of wiry whiskers, which means it lets me shave close day after day comfortably. 
Barbers have found that Colgate's rich, small bubble lather works right into the base of the beard, softens them up for your razor to shave off clean without snagging or pulling. That's why two out of three barbers use Colgate lather. So you lather shavers, do as the experts do. Use Colgate Rapid Shave Cream, the shave cream of champions. And now back to Bill Stern. Real five. Colgate's candid camera catches the story behind the story. Exclusive, New York City, New York. Big-time boxers have been fighting in New York's famous Madison Square Garden. Last week refused to meet a professional fighter from St. Louis named Riley. It isn't that they're afraid. It's just that this professional prize fighter named Riley happens to be a woman. Hollywood, California. This may be denied, but watch for later announcements to confirm this rumor. That the money behind the new big league professional football team in San Diego comes from Lauren Bacall and Humphrey Bogart. And that's the 3-0 mark for tonight. Next Friday night, as usual, we'll be back same time, same stations, with another edition of the Colgate Shave Cream Sports Newsreel. Next week, once again, we'll be out on the road playing army camps. Hence, next Friday night's broadcast will come to you from Chicago, where our guest will be the famous comedian, Mr. Henny Youngman. So be sure and be with us next Friday night at our usual time when we greet you from Chicago with our guest, the famous comedy star, Henny Youngman. And until then, I'll be seeing you on the screen in the News of the Day Newsreel at your favorite Lowe's or Associated Theaters. Now, until this very same time next Friday night... This is Bill Stern for Colgate Shave Cream wishing you all a good, good night. Bill Stern, the Colgate Shave Cream Man, is on his way. Bill Stern, the Colgate Shave Cream Man, had lots to say. He told you tales of sports heroes, the inside dope he really knows. So listen in next Friday night. C-O-L-G-A-T-E. Listen, lady, why do you throw away those red ration points? Yes, Mrs. America, you're throwing away good red points when you don't save every drop of used cooking fat. Uncle Sam needs your cooking fat to help make munitions, military medicines, soaps, and hundreds of other battlefield items. And you need the red points. Your butcher will give you two red points, plus four cents for every pound of used cooking fat. Two red points, plus four cents for every pound of used cooking fat. So, fill a tin and turn it in. Larry McPhail spoke from Washington. The remainder of this program originated in New York. Listen to Bill Stern again next week at this same time. This is the National Broadcasting Company.